Ladies and gentlemen, listeners of the Kansas City Underground podcast, um, I'm here with famous Iron Man finisher Brian Johnson. Uh, Brian Johnson, ladies and gentlemen. I'm also here with Chris Conrad. That was awkward. Uh, who's next to me? And he's the one who's clapping. We're going to introduce famous Chris Conrad in a second. But first, Brian, um, tell us how to go, man. It went amazing. I heard you dominated. Yeah, I uh, cut an hour and forty minutes Ooh. of the last year's time. That's almost that's hard to do. It, it was so hard to was do. It a str- was it a strong current in the river? There was a strong current in the river, uh, that's but it's mainly just uh, healthy me. Healthy. Brian Johnson. What do you have to say about that, Chris? I think it's amazing. That's so right. All right. Well, hey, we're going to jump right back in, guys. We have been doing our podcast series of the 15 observations of... <laughs> like all in my head now. It's like, that sounded Sorry. very arrogant. Yeah, like, I was actually celebrating what no, Jesus dude, has done absolutely. in me. Absolutely. Amen. Helpful. No, we're all glad. We see how thin and beautiful you are, too, so it's helpful. <laughs> yeah. This is awkward. No. So uh, you think he's thin and beautiful? Absolutely. See, we're all on the same page. So we're doing 15 observations of disciple-making movements in urban contexts, and we are currently in the which one, Brian? Begin with the broken, the poor, and the marginalized, which we hate those terms. You hate um, the term poor? Well, it's it, it it's the it's the label aspect of it more than anything. Right. It's not that we're not saying it's not our reality that there are poor people, broken people, marginalized people. It's that we want to be careful not to label people so that there's a sense of like, oh, this is who I am. So the definition that they gave was the marginalized are those that society or culture often considers insignificant. Those often considered insignificant. Those who are overlooked, those who are forgotten, those who are either intentionally or systemically oppressed in some way. Mm -hmm. Those that are prevented from... um, they're not given access uh, to be able to leave certain cultural stations or socioeconomic stations or whatever life has dealt them, they find themselves in those places. Yeah. And strategically, what we started this series on was talking about how a lot of times when we start to see movements in cities, a lot of the early momentum and a lot of the fruit that we can point to, especially early on, are in these types of places. There's a lot of spiritual hunger, a lot of mm-hmm. openness, you know, all that stuff. And so uh, we're having a variety of, of interviews along that. And, and I thought, I was like, we have never interview, interviewed my very good friend, Chris Conrad. Conrad and I go back uh, m- many years in the Share the Hope world and beyond. Uh, I've, a, a big part of my house was renovated by by this man. Uh, and just one, one yeah. of our, like, tr- I, I, I say, there are people who would die for my family. And then there were people who would probably kill for my family. And I was like, Conrad, probably someone who would kill for who, my who family. Who would do both? Uh, he would probably do both. So, dear yeah. friend, and so, uh, Chris, yes. which I never call you Chris, and so it's actually awkward. Uh, who are you, dude? I'm just a guy who's blessed beyond all measure, man. Um, all the praise, honor, and glory go to Jesus. It's It was interesting um, <clears throat> as we began to think about this topic and talk about it. Um, I went from serving the homeless in 2010 mm-hmm. to becoming homeless in yeah. 2016. So, and that's about when I met you. That's you, right. I think you were still living coming out, coming out yep. of it into 2017. Yeah, yeah. And so, man, I don't know. Maybe like let's do like the three minute version of your background. 
like just how wow. you got to where you are. I know it's, and we might dive into other parts of this. And the reason, again, I'm teeing this up. The reason why Conrad is here with us, um, I always joke, like Conrad is not someone that I put like a, uh, a ministry title to. Right. Like you're not a you, you, you put a box around this man and say, hey, this is your whatever. It's like a go minister in the city. You crazy, crazy man. Um, and so many amazing stories come out of just this this ministry that happens. Uh, I mean, things that you just think you're reading from the book of Acts or hearing from over. You know, these are the type of things that Conrad will come to me and just like call me and share this story. I'm like, what? So I thought, hey, like, we'll just get you on a podcast and figure out what happens, you know, and why so much of the momentum that we're seeing in kingdom breakthrough begins in, uh, yeah, the 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 broken places, the people right. that are overlooked. So with all that being said, a little bit of your background. So we'll just start 2010. 2010 was my first introduction to the homeless, to the least of these, as Jesus calls them. And um, I remember I was in a, in a Heartland church service, and um, Tim Suttle came over from Redemption, and Dan Diebel went from Heartland over to Redemption. They did a pastor swap. And one of the guys that was working uh, for me at the time, um, he decided to... Uh, uh, we started talking about the homeless, started talking about all the different people. We were, had a big job in the city, long story short. Um, we're seeing a lot of homeless people and then went and sat through a sermon, and it was incredible. Uh, Tim Suttle was talking about a guy named Bob Starkey, and Bob was a guy <clears throat> that uh, that had started coming to their church. Tim Suttle would go pick up the homeless in a van. They would come uh, to the church. They would bring them there. They'd do their laundry. They'd feed them, and then they'd take them back to their homeless camps. And so that was pretty much what pushed me over the edge for the least of these to, to go on and approach them. We didn't know what we were doing. We did a lot of praying, um, asked a lot of questions. But basically, uh, I think it was a couple weeks after, two Saturdays after that sermon, we went over to uh, Kansas City, Kansas Fire Department, 78th and State. Uh, my buddy Mark's uh, pastor of, I think it was Piper Bible Church at the time, uh, helped us pack just two gallon size Ziploc bags with you know, peanut butter sandwiches, hand warmer socks. We didn't know if we were homeless. We just put in there what we thought that we would use. These little care packages. Jumped in my pickup and uh, took off down State Avenue, heading towards 635. And get right past uh, State Avenue right there in 635, or 635 right there. And um, we see a homeless guy leaning up against, uh, uh, I think it was O'Reilly's, um, charging his cell phone. And I'm like, there's there's a guy right there. And we'd we pull over there and actually get out. And um, we've got these laundry baskets full of these care packages. Don't have any idea what we're doing. And um, just ask him, hey, what's your name? And he says, my name's Bob. And I said, well, I'm Chris, and this is Mark, and and this is Pastor. And, uh, and he started sharing um, his story. And he started talking about his pastor had just went over to a, another church and, and talked about his story. And I said, is your last name Starkey? And he goes, how did you know my last name? And so the very guy that was that was being talked about in, at Heartland Community Church in Olathe was the very first man that I served in the homeless community. So wow. just blew me away. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so that, that kind of like, you know, sparked a little bit of something in you. Like, I, oh, I yeah. know. Um, okay. So like zoom forward, man, a little bit. Like what happened so, in, your, in your life? <laughs> so, uh, so serving the homeless after we met bob we found out where his camp was and 
a bunch of guys from Share the Hope, a uh, bunch of our friends, mutual friends, uh, Brother Brad and, and a bunch of other guys came and started cutting firewood. So we just started serving them, not even knowing what we were doing. And uh, just showing up at their camp and just helping them, you know, do whatever and just sitting around and learning, hey, we don't know what we're doing. How, what's What do you guys need the most? How can we love you the best? And so that just kind of fast forward to 2015 and um, I lost my dad tragically. Um, he, he died right in front of me. And uh, that's that's what really, uh, really woke me up spiritually in that moment. And so we went from serving the homeless in 2010 to that event in 2015 um just went off the deep end man just really really uh just was lost he was my best friend um he was he was everything and but the lord <clears throat> told me long along quite a ways after um that uh it's just something that had to happen in order for us to understand how how he works and how he operates and so so then becoming homeless you know going from uh, owning a business and and very successful and serving the homeless to becoming homeless yeah. ended up under a bridge uh 2016 going into 17 had a spot in the woods and a place behind a dumpster so it was an interesting yeah flip yeah so i got i got i mean we could just keep going through your oh, story yeah. if we wanted to but i want to like interject here sure and like when you hear this topic right we're talking about how God works among these these hard places. Uh, why do you think, like, why do you think he's up to so much good stuff in the least of these? What are you beginning to see? Any stories that pop in your mind, or just things that God's kind of called you to the to kind of spark us th this morning? So the the scripture that always comes to mind with uh, the least of these is James two five. Haven't I chosen the poor of this world to be rich in their faith? And so when I see these guys and I approach them, they don't really realize how close they are to God in that very moment. Mm -hmm. And just in talking to them, their um, their perspective and their uh, perception of everything is just wrong. Yeah. It's on self versus selflessness. And so, um, gosh, there's there's so many different wonderful stories of all the incredible people that I've met on the street as far as uh, in Lawrence. We do have the street church on Saturday outside the library. Yeah. <clears throat> that was all started by a conversation um, with a guy named Richie. Um, God told him that he need they needed to start a, a street church, and so that began about five. Uh, probably, I'm trying to think when they started that. I think maybe around 2015 or 16. I kind of started. I found out about it and yeah. met met Ruth and yeah. some other people, and um, just started showing up. And they. You know, just hanging out with them. You know, they feed, they serve them lunch, and then give them a, deliver a little message, and just in, it's, it's interesting watching how all this how all this works. But um, you can tell you can tell the ones that that really want to get out of the situation that they're in, and then there's those that that actually choose to be homeless. It's it's really interesting. Yeah. Oh, I don't have anything specific. You just like looked at me. I'm I I can cut this part out. If you want, but are you are you willing to get more personal with like how you ended up homeless? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> so after after I lost my dad, um, made some really wrong choices as far as uh, uh, how to cope. There was such a deep sorrow right. in losing him, um, being left with uh, my mom who had dementia, and the beginning stages of Alzheimer's. 
um, trying to trying to stay married, trying to have a have a little girl relationship with a little girl, and uh, there was just so much pain that started drinking again. So in 2010 began sobriety. Uh, they started using some hard hardcore drugs, uh, cocaine, methamphetamine, and and uh, it would it would kind of um, it would blanket the feelings. It would uh, yeah. it would kind of cover them up for a little bit. And so that kind of, that led to um, going from, you know, close to Jesus to getting as far possibly away from him. And uh, enemies started uh, started talking and blaming blaming him for everything that had happened when in fact that's, that's the opposite of what he was saying. So just a lot of really bad choices that uh, led to, led to fi- finally ending up homeless. Yeah, man, so I remember early, early on in the Share the Hope story, uh, and I was going to go with someone, you and James May show it. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and so faithful listeners of the Kinsey Underground podcast will, will know James. James has been on here a handful of times. And uh, you guys call each other, call yourself salt and pepper. That's right. right? Like the white guy and the black guy. Yeah. And you guys have a lot of history together. Not all great. No, uh, no. A lot of not great uh, history. Uh, but I remember even being struck right there. Of just your um, your passion, yeah. But you were still a little loopy. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Coming off of some some, some pretty hardcore stuff, and, yeah. Uh, knowing that you know, like, okay, God is calling because you had a, you had a relationship with Jesus before uh, uh-huh. all of this, but it was like you were beginning to come back. And I remember we went and had coffee together, uh, <laughs> and you were kind of going. You're, through, uh, you're kind of unpacking this book that you were going through about kind of demons and things like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and I remember thinking, this dude can pray. Yeah. But like, actually, God kept kind of, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but like, just kind of kept putting it on my heart, like pressed into this because there's oh, more, yeah. more than what we see. Um, and what has, I think, really happened over the last few years is you have this pretty crazy anointing um, as someone who. Uh, both in the prophetic world, but also, I mean, just like a lot of miracles, mm-hmm. oh, a lot yeah. of healings that have come uh, from you praying for people. Um, and I don't want to like make this like the biggest deal in the world, but like we have seen um, just really a, anointing on your life as kind of a, a minister on the streets, not just homeless people, right? Sick people, uh, people who are uh, struggle with addiction. People, oh, yeah. even, like I, I would say those realms are some of the big ones that you've really been in a lot, right? But just like being out there, like mm-hmm. whatever it is that, that God says. So it's like, are there any kind of things that pop up in your head in the last handful of years? Like when I talk about things like that. Well, so, <clears throat> so December 17th, 2017 was the day that I the, know the, exact day. the, the so, day, <laughs> that was the day that the Lord actually, I cried out for him. I, I had a, a firearm uh, pointed in my face, October, 2017. And then December was the second one. And in that moment, the Lord said to me, choose, and I, I just I held up my arms as loud as I could, and I just said, "Jesus, save me!" Yeah. And when that happened, uh, when that happened, he—it was the most incredible experience I've ever had in the spirit. But uh, basically, that was the day that he touched me, and that's the day that everything began to change uh, for his glory. And and uh, some of the first um, memories of of realizing how Jesus, how how real he was, and how these miracles are not just something we read about in the Bible. Um, Met, met another radical dude on the front row of uh, uh, Heartland Community Church, uh, Matthew, and uh, he he uh, he had uh, hepatitis C, 
and HIV in his blood. And uh, through a bunch of prayer and through a bunch of other people from our community too, he was healed. Shortly after that, that led to a miracle of another one of his friends, a lady who was in North Kansas City Hospital. Her name's Wendy. And uh, she had tumors, lesions in her brain. Um, Matthew called about a month after his miracle and said, hey, let's go, let's, uh, let's get together. Let's start doing stuff. He called me and said, hey, William's wife, uh, Wendy, is in the hospital. Would you want to come up and pray? I said, yeah, sure, dude. I said, let's go. So we got up there. He shared his miracle with her. We prayed. Um, the next day, the, the doctors come in to do a CT, a CT scan to figure out how they're going to go in for the surgery. And they came in and they said, we don't know how to explain what's happened but um we do (laughs) you need to pack your stuff and go home she actually uh came off oxygen he healed the emphysema too so Mm -hmm. just stuff like that just since that day over and over and over like those stories are i mean frequent right yeah you hang out with with conrad (laughs) and and others um and yeah just we've been we've been journeying together for a while it's like man even i come like this kind of Apostolic strips me up. I'm like, how can we like see these miracles break open the door for new groups and all that stuff? And, and Conrad's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Okay, so and then he goes, we're, like, we're on the same page, but there's no, there's no putting a leash on Conrad. That's, that's totally great. Like, it's amazing to watch the things that God has done in and through you. Um, oh yeah, man. Over the years, right? So like, maybe even amongst the, uh, let's think of, uh, oh man, I'm thinking of a story in KCK recently. You told me. Um, which one? I don't know. There's so many. Conrad's the type of guy. <laughs> I have questions. Oh, hold on. Oh, you got hold on. <laughs> hold on. This is this just happened the other day, right? You and James uh, are hanging out, yeah. right, with the guy, and uh, the guy needed a shirt. Is that right? Oh, and Conrad yeah. literally just strips off his shirt. That was my shorts. It was yeah. your shorts. It was your pants. Yeah, so. That's what it was. And I heard that story. I'm like, that's just so Conrad. Like, <laughs> the dude literally stripped himself just to get his clothes to this this random. Yeah. I heard the story too, and James was a bit uncomfortable. It was. It was very interesting driving driving to the ATM to get money to send James in for a new pair of shorts at Walmart. Uh, it's so funny because you and James are very different. Yeah, uh, but both like have a incredible ministry and heart for what you know okay brian what are some questions yeah i got three questions that sure i want to dive into because Corey is asking like the inspirational stuff people uh love that as well that's important (laughs) (laughs) that's his way of saying he's gonna he's gonna bring up the podcast uh, right now i'm not bringing it up i'm I'm coming at it no that's not what i meant i'm he's good i'm bad (laughs) (laughs) good cup back up Okay. You completed an Iron Man. I didn't. I had All right. three and a half hours of sleep last night. So. <laughs> All right. I'm I'm just trying to focus it in a different direction is sure. what I mean. Like the inspirational story side is one thing. In light of this series that we're in of uh, of engaging the broken, the poor, the marginalized, I'm going to just go back to some of the things you said and ask some questions. Sure. So you were like, yeah, we didn't know what we were doing. We just started working with homeless people. Yeah. Uh, and, and admittedly, we just didn't know what we were doing. Uh, and we even told people that we were working with, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> so so uh, yeah. question number one is like, I don't know, is that okay? Cause there's part of me that's like in my coaching, I would tell people like uh, these books, I would have people read that I think are important when helping hurts. It's a great book to read before right. you begin to engage the broken poor, the marginalized, because you may be doing things that you're like, Oh, this will help. Um, which is actually in the end, it it might be, um, hurting the ultimate long-term 
cause. Or that, right. That's his premise in the book. There's another one called Toxic Charity, things like this. Um, so <laughs> clearly yeah. it didn't <clears throat> in your case. Like you've had these beautiful stories of what God is doing, but like, um, so like there's part of me that's like, I want to hear from you go like, yes, yeah, okay, just to g- get going. Just yeah. go do stuff, like work with the Lord. And then the other part of like, sometimes it, that that might not be like necessarily the best strategy. So, yeah, it was it was a pretty radical move. Um, we we learned early on. Um, you know, minister of men, minister with men, women minister with women. A lot of times, if you get into a homeless camp or you get around people like that, um, never give them money as far as cash. Um, we learned that we learned that very very early on not to do that because they actually mark each other and they'll try to rob each other for the cash if they see it. But share the hope we used to take collect collection and uh-huh. we would just give the money directly to people and then we found out that we were accidentally paying for um, drugs drugs for Alcohol, a handful of yeah, people paying for a fix. So we're like, okay, okay, we'll learn from that. As right, well. yeah. right. Um, the main thing was just being around them in the power of the Holy Spirit, um, seeing them in the place that they are and. I would just, the Holy Spirit would just, I would be overcome. And just with the compassion that I had for them because I was in that same place. And um, just treating them as a as a thou, not an it. Mm-hmm. And so treating them as a person. And one of the, one of the conversations early on was when we were sitting around a campfire with uh, Bob and Randy and another guy named Edmund, we said, you know, so what is it, what's the favorite thing that you like when we come down here? Uh, to visit you guys, what's the favorite thing or what are we doing good and what are we not doing good? Because we're really asking them these questions. Hit pause on that. Sure. Because this is teeing up question too that sure. I was going to ask you, which is these are just good missionary rhythms. Right, like right. Like when we train around missionary pathway and we talk about living as a missionary, what we're saying is ask questions, mm-hmm. don't come in with your ideas. Right. Saying yeah. like, right. How can I join and what Jesus what is already works doing best for you guys. Right? Yeah. I'm like, I want to know what's good news for you. Uh huh. And you, that was the second thing I heard you say that earlier. It's like how the question you actually asked is how can we best love you? Yeah. Like, how can well, we, how can we love you the very best right now in the situation yeah. that you're in? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I think it was Randy. It might've been Edmund. He said, um, when you're doing what you're doing right now, when you come and you sit here around the campfire, and you treat us like we're friends. Mm. And it just blew me away. Yeah, I was I like, yeah. it just blew me away that, that all they wanted to do was be noticed mm. and to be loved yeah. and to be cared for um, as a person, mm. you know, instead of being looked at like a, like some monster. Yeah. You know? Or avoided looking at. Like, yeah, you know, you exactly. say about, you know, people yeah. who are asking for money or begging on the streets and the amount of eye contact that's avoided. People don't talk to them. I also think, I'm going to insert my answer to this, just knowing Kristen's situation is the fact that you were homeless for a season. Oh yeah. Immediately brought in a level of, uh, that's why inside leadership is so important is that when you speak of those things, you don't speak as someone who is an outsider who's never experienced it. You speak as someone who can actually like, I'm with you. I'm alongside you because I am you. Right. And that's, that actually takes care of a lot of the contextualizing questions that we sometimes see in toxic charity when helping hurts is because we're outsiders coming in trying to figure out the best thing for you. But when you're actually an insider from day one, mm-hmm. all of that, that timeline shrunk, all the strategy is shrunk. That's why insiders are so important. But there was one phrase I remember you saying, it was actually a video. It was like the first video that you, the three of the three of us. Were oh, in the that's right. Video. Yeah. And it yeah. was the first like, chunk of videos that we did some training for one of them is on you know inside leadership 
And I remember asking you, like, like, why do you feel called to homeless people? This was years ago. Right, and you right. said... Five years ago, to be specific. This was five <laughs> years ago. Right. And I remember you said, because I remember the smell. That's right. And you That's meant it, right. like, I remember my own smell. I remember the smell of the environment. I, You know, just like... And I thought that was such a, a, a great way of saying it because something, you know, scent brings so many memories. And just oh, like, I remember. Yeah. I remember what it was like. Yeah. Um, and so I just, like, touching on that, I don't know if there was more with that, but, like, touching on that, like, how did you being homeless yourself either give you a bigger heart for homeless people or even open the door for your ministry moving forward absolutely just blew the doors off so when after I, after being homeless um it was it was it was really hard to be around them at first um although although bob was was such a person that was in touch with his emotions but when i became um homeless myself and then going back out to minister after that mm-hmm. um I could barely even stand there with them and and just ask them how can I love you the best right now. Yeah. I did the, the Holy Spirit would just it would just be overcome with emotion and yeah. and just ask them you know meeting their basic needs. Um, water is is a really big deal. A bottle of water to the to the homeless. Um, but the smells if I smell somebody who's been around a campfire, or uh, yeah, if yeah, I yeah. if I smell somebody who hasn't uh, showered for a couple of days, and uh, just just embracing that person even though they smell um you know really really badly um i can't imagine what i smelled like to jesus you know when i was under that bridge mm-hmm. so um just embracing them in the place that they're at when you hug them they freak out because they know that they smell mm-hmm. you know and you know that you smell bad because you haven't showered you know right. for four three four five days sometimes these guys um, sometimes are the ones that are really struggling, they haven't showered in months. When, when COVID hit, that was, that was really wild. Um, a lot of them couldn't shower for three or four months, sometimes six months mm. because, uh, everything was shut down, the yeah. public restrooms, everything. So mm. that was a really interesting time, uh, mm. ministering to them. They just want to take a shower. So they would go to the river, uh, mm. the people in Lawrence or they would find a fountain until they started shutting all the fountains down. So um, just meeting those basic needs of what they, what they want yeah. is, is key just, just in loving them. So do you, do you feel that spiritual hunger is more tangibly noticed and present among the people that you hang with than maybe, I don't know, the suburban, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to take an us and them thing, but t- tell right. me, talk to me about that. So King David talks about a broken and contrite heart. And when you are homeless and you have nothing and it's all been stripped away, um, that heart condition right there is, is what the Lord's really, really looking for. And so it's, it's easier for me to share with someone um, about how amazing Jesus is and what he's done for me um, because it's all him. I, I can't, yeah. I can't even begin to describe the amount of love and grace that, uh, that I feel mm-hmm. from him all the time. So I just want to pass that to them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this was my third question. Okay. Just like in light of the, uh, bigger conversation there, it's like, 
you know, what are the things that you do now to intentionally engage the broken, poor, marginalized? Like some of the things I'm hearing are, you know, basic needs. Now, there's a certain amount of, and, and even in When Helping Hurts, Toxic Charity, a lot of the training stuff I had done with that was like, there's a certain amount of like um, relief work. Right. Where it's like when we go into this, a lot of this stuff was international stuff, but it was like, uh, we do relief work and then there's this kind of like middle ground where we're beginning to think through how we move beyond just basic relief to like beginning to build capacity. And then there's like a, a final stage of like, I'm, I'm like, I'm with you. We're, we're parody, that kind of thing. So hang on one yeah, second. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> so like there's a certain amount of as a missionary from the outside, mm-hmm. even though you've been an insider, like as I'm highlighting that, um, you're aware of understanding the basic needs. Other people that are going like, I have a heart for this. Like the, maybe they're hearing this and going the homeless. This is a, a something that when I hear you talk about this, something deep inside of me is resonating and I want to join you. So they're going, okay, I can go do some basic need ministry, but also have to enter that with a sense of learn names, learn stories, be with people. Mm-hmm. Um, what's like, you know, and also I hear you saying both of you go and find insiders, you know, because there's a certain amount of, you're not an insider anymore. You're you're not homeless anymore. So there's that sense of building relationships and persons of peace. But what's, what's beyond that, that you engage in now with people. So at the very beginning when, so sanctified mercy, unsanctified mercy, my healing process from the time that I was homeless to where I'm at now, the Lord would continue to ask me. I would, I would think, you know, we're going to do this and come up with an idea. And he would stop me in, in, a, in a quiet moment and say, well, how did I do it with you? Mm. And I said, I didn't, I didn't do any of those things with you. Um, it's really hard because they're in the wilderness. The wilderness is a wonderful place. Um, so for me, um, learning from Am I helping this person or am I hurting this person? Mm-hmm. Am I making? Am I meeting their basic needs and, and am I am I loving them as Jesus would? Because a lot of times, what we'll do is is we'll try to help too much and we'll try to give too much. When what Jesus is trying to do is get them in a place where He can talk to them in a spot alone in the dirt, under a bridge, mm-hmm. in a tent, you know. Um, so it's it was that that was the hardest thing for me to learn yeah. was by giving them all of these things and, and doing all these things for them, am I crippling them or am I helping them? Am I handing them a, am I handing them fish or am I handing them a fishing pole? Am I going to give them a tool to learn how to go out and, and help themselves as my dad would used to say. So, um, the main, that, that was the main thing is trying to figure out helping them and then, um, crossing that line into enabling them to continue their lifestyle. Yeah. Like I, I would, I would jump in on this too. It's like, so both Conrad, I mean, James, a lot of our leaders in the share of the hope world, like, uh, but Chris for a long time was the, the first text I'd send you and like, Hey, I need your perspective on this right. because it's really easy uh, to get sucked into like constantly providing uh, the, the tangible physical care that people need. Right. But sometimes what you're saying, and this struck me earlier is that 
you know, you're, you're sitting with homeless people who don't have a lot of possessions, food, water, anything. They're like, how can we love you? Just hanging out with us. Right. Like there's that, that insight is really significant where sometimes the, the very things that people think that we think that others will need, right. They, they're not, they don't necessarily feel like they need those things. Right. So we can come and we can provide all this stuff all the time, but then we just become do action, action, action. Cause the need is always there. The tangible need is always there. Right. How are you pressing in deeper um, into to validation, into relationship, into, yeah, and you get into like systemic things and there's, the conversation is so much wider and I'm reminded what Jesus says, like the poor will always be among us, right? So we have right. that reality while we also have, you know, blessed are the poor, right? So, like, so we have, we have this like upside down kingdom way where Jesus is like, when people, when people don't have anything and they're hungry for me, like they're, they're so near the kingdom is there mm-hmm. like there's and there's and you hang out in these places and it's so tangible and it's so real and the presence of God is active and it's palpable. Right. And it just feels like you can not only feel, but like access it. I don't know. Does that make sense? I mean, you know, what I'm talking about Connor. Oh, like yeah. it's just like it's so near and real uh, while at the same time. It's like is homelessness in the sense like is that of the kingdom? Like, I don't think so. Right. Like. But like Jesus also modeled for us in a sense of homelessness. That's like uh, as a traveling person who's like, okay, son of man has no place to lay his head. So like all these things, like I don't think we have all the answers to it, but we do know that God is a work among the people that are spiritually hungry and broken, and that's where you have spent most of your ministry life. And I think this is a good time to plug on on our other network called Street Church that Rick and Alice Bush kind of pioneered. Um, And that came out of, you know, some Share the Hope people. And there was a a ministry that got started to go amongst the, you know, some of the poor communities and the homeless communities in Kansas City. And that led to one thing that led to them, you know, prayer walk in a park that led to, you know, them partnering with some people who had been homeless. Right. Rick will tell that story all the time. Like, and he's like, the first thing they said was like, oh, there's something about don't just bring your Johnson County here. Or something like that's what they that's what they told Rick and Alice. For those of you listening, Johnson County, uh, we actually currently we're in Johnson County. It's a more southern part on the Kansas side, a little more affluent area. Um, a it, little more. I mean, a lot. So it's the richest county in the state. Uh, it's th- by far the richest county in the state. Uh, we, there's still a lot of poverty in Johnson County. Oh, I'm not like, denying absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. just that that it was. Rick talks about how that was a pretty significant thing. So now we are we are seeing multiplication. I'm um, also not celebrating the fact that it's the richest county. Oh, it's know. like it's a it's a barrier <laughs> yeah. for people in this part of like it it's what seems to be the greatest strength is the greatest barrier. Mm-hmm. I think in light of the bigger conversation is it's like it's it's hard to take that lens off. Yeah. You know, and like I just sat down with them and filmed them recently. So like I yeah. heard the story of like they 
I, I don't remember the young woman's name, but they had someone living with them that yeah. was off of the street and she was coaching them. Yeah. Of the phrase was, yeah, don't bring your Johnson County down to the street. And they had, yeah. they had to go, okay, how do we go be among? And we've told their story on here. We'll probably have right. them back on to tell it again because it's worth it. But it's like, how can I be among and be with? I think that, like, in this whole conversation, I know I keep pulling back to that thing, but it's like, as we think about going to the broken, poor, and marginalized with the gospel, understanding that in global disciple-making movements, which we want to be one, it's that language of uh, doing ministry to, to doing ministry with. Mm-hmm. And if if you can legitimately make that shift in your heart, not just like, a, a you know, logical, whatever. Right. I can't think Paradigm of the other word. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll do, I'll do ministry with, but like in your heart, like what I just heard you say was like, when you pull up to that stoplight, like Jesus has called to, I mean, y- y- you have like a legitimate sense of, I'm, I literally know what it's like to be homeless, but Jesus is still cultivating that empathy in you. And so for the rest of us that are listening to go like, how can I invite Jesus to cultivate empathy within me, not judgment, not so good. assumptions? And that the secret sauce to, I think, how the Lord has used you is one, there's an anointing power of God. But that is, I think, so much because your heart is crazy big. Like we even like even when we're saying like, OK, Connor, man, that dude that dude's heart is as big as anyone I've ever known. You just, you just freaking love people. And sometimes it makes you do stupid things. <laughs> like, and I mean that in the nicest way possible, like you, the good and the bad, like you'll, the good risk, but also like you want to help ev- Like you've, you've grown so much in even the discernment of who to help at the right time. Right. Because you would just help everyone all the time, but you're walking in a lot of wisdom now of seeing when is appropriate to help people. Um, and not, and so, and the reason why I was beginning to bring in the street church thing, as we're probably about to close here, as we're getting close to time, uh, because I do think there's something magical about the Chris Conrads of the world, who are you're out there doing it constantly, serving, can't be contained, released. Uh, let's just unleash Chris Conrad onto the city. Um, and then sometimes you get those partnerships with like the Rick and Alice Bush where there's some strategy that comes along with it too. Right. It's like, how can we see the gospel planted in this homeless community and have an ongoing church presence emerge out of that? Right. Um, and I think that when those things come together, yeah, you, it's really something powerful. And I think we're starting to see some of that happen. Yeah. I actually, <clears throat> I was with Rick and Alice both, um, there's a, a, a new little um, a fire that's uh, that's begun down at 7th Street, yeah. um, very Kansas City, Kansas, uh, by the Crosswinds. And I, I had the pleasure of, of being with Rick and uh, Alice and just listening to mm-hmm. some testimony down there. And um, yeah. the main thing is, if, if this is stirring your heart, um, my prayer, the one that, that really, really, uh, that God answered, that really, really started to change my heart was... I said, Lord, change my heart, mm. change my heart, change the way I think, change, change everything in me. And as soon as I said that prayer, mm. be careful because he'll answer mm. that prayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, once he begins to do that and he changes your heart, your perspective, your perception mm. of everything, it changes to his. Yeah. And then it's, um, <laughs> then you have to figure out, uh, 
there's so many there's so many opportunities in the city there's so many different mm. people that are homeless you have to you have to talk with them that's why he wants you in your secret place you know to just ask him okay lord so what's next what do you want to do yeah and hurry up and wait <laughs> <laughs> all right in a minute you're going to uh whatever the lord has put on you to say over this network uh can see underground share the whole, all the all the networks that you're a part of sure uh, anything you want to bless us with or hear from God on our behalf, I would love, I'm going to offer that in a second. To have sure. You, um, in the meantime, I want to tell this story. And uh, it's one of my favorite Conrad stories. And uh, Here I, we think go. We, I think we can say this, and if we need to erase it, we can. But okay. um, when you were not in a great spot in life, right? Um, and you had your own business, uh-huh. you did some things right. where you cheated a lot of people out of some money. I did. Um, years later, Right. This was probably what a year and a half ago. It wasn't that long ago. Two, um, two years ago. It was. It's been at least. It's probably by about two. Years. It started about two years. When ago. you started the. So to, what? What you started to do was go back. Zacchaeus. Yeah, Zacchaeus. He's a that, and he went back to all of these these houses. Uh-huh. One of them was a pretty well known person in the Kansas City area. Uh-huh. The news and things like that, and and paid them back. Plus, plus ten percent. Plus ten percent. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? So when you when you talk about ministry, that's like God first changed my heart. Right. Like, I think that's what we're talking about. Is like it was repentance. There was like pursuit of Jesus in this. I want to change, and that's that's a radical story, my man. So I just want to share that story. I freaking love that one. I okay. brag on you with that story. Sure. But um, okay. So that was just that was just for the pause time. And now, if you'd have anything to speak over us, we're all ears. You know, I've I've got a lot of friends that are part of the underground, and I'm seeing a lot of growth, and um, I'm seeing a lot of love come from Casey Underground out to the the different ministries that that I see. Um, there's something really really good going on here. Um, I don't want to start name dropping, but I'm I'm around a lot of you guys, mm-hmm. and I see uh, this honest. Um, loyal place that you're in uh and the people that you're involved with um it's real you know you care about uh what you're doing you care about the people that are involved um it's amazing what god is doing in and through the city it's amazing what i'm seeing um looking back to starting in 2017 to right now and seeing all these different share the hope communities um I'm just blown away because I get to see the transformation yeah. that was once myself, you know, back then. So, um, I can't say enough good about what you guys are doing. It's beautiful. He says you guys, but he's also been a part of it from the beginning. <laughs> he doesn't know it, but he we, has been. We, yeah. we, so, okay. All right, brother. I love you. I'm love sure we'll have you, you back man. at some point. Absolutely. My good friend, Christopher Connor. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement, 
that leads to the emergence of microchurches in every network within your city. We'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.